Dirty Dog McMahon, I just don't think I can make it tonight. I just I I got a lot of stuff going on. I don't think I could talk about CM Punk tonight. But I hired you. I'm paying you the big bucks. Come on. What's your excuse? It just doesn't fit my philosophy. I can't I can't I, roll over for this CM Punk cast. I don't care about your philosophy. I don't care about your dogs. I am the dirty dog. I am the dirty dog McMahon. My philosophy rules, Jack. If you can't come, just take your ball and go home. CM Beverly, you're fired. From the intersection of Sunset Boulevard Pastry, Minnesota, New Dalmos, Maine, Event, Status, Radio, with your host, Mr. Beverly Hills, Kino 210, and the Dirty Dog Welcome, everybody, to Main Event Status Radio. There's no, uh, well, you know who I am. I am the Dirty Dog Darcy. This, for this episode... We are covering CM Punk's WWE career. Uh, there's n- normally I am joined with Beverly Hills, 90210, but he is uh, on vacation this week or for this episode. I am joined by Dean Stahl. How's it going, Dean? I'm good. How are you? I am pretty well. Uh, let the listeners know about your, uh, your, your wrestling fandom. Well, I started watching in uh, 1985. I think uh, Rocky Three got me interested because that's probably the first time I ever saw Hulk Hogan. And after that, I saw WrestleMania One on videotape and watched Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling and Superstar Challenge and Wrestling Superstars. And I've just been a fan ever since then. I followed mostly WWF because that's what we got in our area. Once we got cable, I started looking at NWA and just had been a lifelong fan ever since then. Yeah, because I know I uh, emailed you off and on last few months, and last night I emailed you about doing a podcast tonight about CM Punk. What's your thoughts about you know, CM Punk and everything that happened back in January? Well, um, I think if, if he was really uh, busted up as he was and unhappy with where he was at, uh, his departure was probably for the best, but I think there probably could have been a, maybe a little more professional way to handle things. But I think he's always been uh, the type of guy who has done things that have shaken things up. He's taken bold stances, like walking away with the title after he won it, even though his contract was up and you know taking that time off. Uh, doing his, his big speech that made him so so prevalent to the WWE audience. You know, I thought it was just another round of, you know, that, that particular stance that made him who he is and, and got people talking. I mean, if they're still willing to chant for him today, even though he hasn't been back in months, you know, he's got some effect on, on viewing audiences. Do you feel like he's coming back in, by end of the year or within the next few years? I think it might be within the next couple of years, and it may not be as much as we saw before. But I think it won't be right away. So, do you think you'll be uh, doing a? Do you think you'll be on a Chris Jericho kind of a deal then? Probably, um, maybe even less so, just because it seems like Jericho comes in and does like a few dates and works with a particular person to try to help put that person over, and then once you know things have cooled down a bit and he's ready to go back out on tour with Fozzie, he's out again. 
I think uh, Punk may even be a little more hard-nosed about it and decide, you know, I'm not going to do this or that or, you know, be much more selective about what he's opted to do. Yeah, because I know uh, I listened to Talk is Jericho, and a couple weeks ago, Jericho had Paul Heyman and Edge on. Uh, by chance, do you listen to the two-part interview with on Talk is Jericho with Heyman? No, I missed that. Okay, I know on on the podcast, Heyman talked about for the last year before Punk left, so approached the whole 2013 calendar year that Punk was mentally drained and didn't have the desire to perform and all that. And the night he walked out, be the night after Royal Rumble this year, he just couldn't find he couldn't find the drive to go out and perform anymore. He couldn't find he couldn't perform at the 110 percent. CM Punk that he normally does, so he just decided to walk out. What's your thoughts on what Heyman said about that? Well, it, I believe that Paul would probably be be the closest to him who could say what's most going on with him, and if he really was that drained, it's for the best for him, even though I think he probably could have negotiated a little better about how it was going to be handled. I definitely think wrestlers need an off-season. Well, they, yeah. they, well, yeah, de- yeah, definitely, because I know that's one thing I like about, kind of like what Chris Jericho does. I know he's, like you said, he, whenever he has free time from, you know, on tour with Fozzie or, you know, doing recording this podcast or whatever, other right. things he does, if he fits in his schedule, he's willing to come back for a few months to, like this Kurt run, you know, put over put over Bray Wyatt, you know, last run, put over Fandango, even though that, that kind of flopped. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I... I don't know. I guess, yeah. And you got to wonder what kind of what kind of fire would have been lit under him had you know in hindsight, had he been handed the streak. Yeah. If it wasn't Brock Lesnar and it had been CM Punk, there's a torch he can carry, something that you know he has a reason to perform for. You know, you know how you mentioned if he would have taken the Undertaker's streak at WrestleMania 29, so Taker would have been 20 and one. What do you? How do you think history would have been different if? Punk was the one behind 20 and 1. I think people would have accepted it better because they expected Punk to be there longer than, than we're getting with Brock Lesnar. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough, because yeah, Punk could be around at you know, most, most, most money nights in the house, house show tour. Yeah, he would have been a guy who could have talked about it. He could have brought it up all the time. He could have run more with it. And I, I just think it's been kind of a drop ball, even though... However, it, it, it's gone, whether it was Undertaker's decision, Vince McMahon's decision, I think Lesnar was the wrong guy. If Punk, would have, if Punk would have been the one to defeat Undertaker at WrestleMania, how legit do you think people's reaction would have been compared to this year when Lesnar beat Undertaker? You know, I, I think, I don't think it would have been so such a, a stunning thing. There would be probably equal parts excitement because you have so many people in the crowds behind him anyway. You know, I think yeah. you've got more more people in the crowds who are more excited for CM Punk than they are The Undertaker, only because The Undertaker had slowed down so much that he's just the once-of-year performance. He doesn't do much TV, if any at all. He Punk was the guy more prevalent on people's minds, and I think him winning that match would have really been a lot more significant for people. Yeah, which I which I can see too, especially with you know, like you mentioned that Brock is around, 
you know, a few dates a year because I thought I heard maybe forty dates a year. That includes pay per views mm. compared to you know sixty. You know that's how it's on television. But uh, well, I guess we can start out with uh, two thousand six when CM Punk entered ECW. What do you remember of CM Punk's ECW run? I a little bit. I remember. It seemed like he got handed the title pretty quick, if my memory serves right. But I wasn't actively watching it at that point. So I, my my memory could be pretty fuzzy. But it seemed like they saw something in him. They thought he was going to be the, the star of that brand. So they, they quickly got a title on him. Yeah, because I think he won the title in 2007, which I think is about a year after he debuted. Yeah, if, uh, if, it's like 06 at the December to Dismember. Well, I think Lashley won the title then. Oh, right, right, right. But that was right. that was Punk's first chance at the ECW title. Yes. Yeah, because I know uh, ECW, when the brand ECW under WWN Brawler, I wasn't really much of a fan of personally after, well, I guess the December to Dismember pay-per-view after uh, Paul Heyman was let go of his creative duties. So mm-hmm. I felt, felt like there was a major shift in writing-wise and television-wise after, you know, for the first six months or so of ECW television compared to afterwards. I don't know if you noticed that much, you know, from a little bit that you watched ECW back then. Yeah, it seemed like the, the, the style of it and the tone of it was just really, really kind of off. Yeah. It certainly did not have any of the feel that, that traditional ECW ever had. Yeah. Uh, what's... What, what is your thoughts on CM Punk being the first guy to win the Money in Bank briefcase match at WrestleMania in back-to-back years? That's that still seems like it's pretty significant, and it doesn't, you know, just because of their position with him right now, it, it gets no mention. But that I think that's a significant thing. I, I haven't seen anybody else do that, or them even push anybody to try and top that, just so they have somebody else to talk about. Yeah, definitely. Do you? I was going to say. Do you, where do you rank those two Money in the Bank matches compared to the other Money in the Bank matches? I think at that point, just because Punk was in it and because he was he was really like just sort of reinvigorating the the style of everything, those were better than other ones. Because I I just sometimes I don't really like Money in the Bank matches because it just doesn't have quite the feeling that you really want it to have. Well, yeah, the significance just doesn't feel there. Well, yeah, definitely compared to, I think, I, you know, I feel, feel like the first, I don't know, four, five, six years of Money in the Bank, I feel like those first few were a lot better than now year, you know, nowadays for, you know, because how it was just one, one Money in the Bank match a year compared to nowadays, there's two, two uh, uh, Money in the Bank matches Sure. You know, for it's, last. That, it's that period where the bloom is coming off the rose. I mean, once yeah. it start, starts, it's hot, and then it starts fading downward till it just becomes sort of like, eh, it's a thing. Yeah. When do you feel like the Money in the Bank match kind of lost its bloom? Um, when it, I think when it became less of a story point and more of a shock and awe moment for anyone to cash in. You know, when when, when people stopped caring about you know how they were going to play it out of when they were going to turn it in, and I, I don't, I can't really pinpoint a year, but okay. it just feels like anybody who's holding that briefcase. I don't know. Ziggler was pretty important with it because he kind of held on to it for a while. But if anyone just wants to race out and immediately toss it up because, like, oh look, he's down and he's vulnerable, I'm going to 
take this quickly, that it, it just blows away any potential that, that have, making that into something significant could be. Yeah, I know. Uh, before the money, before he won the first Money in the Bank briefcase, I know he had the feud with uh, John Morrison on ECW for the ECW title. Mm-hmm. Do you do? Were you watching that, that feud much at all? Not that I remember. No. Okay, because I know what I can remember a little bit from watching that match on it, you know, live and watching it on his Best in the World DVD. He said it was, it was okay. It wasn't what some of his matches later on with, like, Cena and Jericho in Mysterio were, but I felt like it was, I guess, uh, you know, showing the WWE universe what what CM Punk could be in the future. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess after... Because when CM Punk won the world title for the first time after the first Money in the Bank briefcase, was that... He was on Raw, wasn't he? Yeah. Okay, because I know uh, what I could really recall from... That summer, that world title run seemed kind of of a joke. That is how he was booked. I, I feel like his first world title run seemed kind of on par with Jack Swagger when Swagger won the world title from Jericho a few years later. Mm-hmm. Well, what's your thoughts on Punk's first world title run? I don't think it was really that much to talk about because it's not it's not lingering in anybody's minds as far as I know, but. I, you know, there's more talk about his his 464 days, which you know that was a, a second run. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so I think it kind of got blurred. Although I I really did like how he was referencing uh, the older, you know, something that you just saw in a blip, where Randy Orton was kicking the crap out of him while he was still part of ECW. Yeah. You know, that was like, wow, they're, they're actually referencing their own history and, and using points to, to come back around as a story point that actually gives credence to why he wants to do something. Yeah, because it does seem like the WWE storylines really, they don't, they don't include what has happened before in previous feuds, you know, like, yeah, what, you're, like what you're saying. Yeah, they're always in such a tight bubble. It's like nothing that led up to it or will come after it usually matters. Yeah, definitely. Cause I know, uh, and I think in at the end of 2008, uh, Punk won the tag titles with Kofi Kingston, and also won the Intercontinental Title. Do you really do you have much any memories of him winning those two titles? No, no, yeah. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. Don't feel bit. Don't feel bad about that. <laughs> it's tough because you know people want to like Kofi. I want to like Kofi, but there's just something that's just like. Buzz field that happens whenever he's involved. Yeah, definitely. Then I know he won the second Money in the Bank briefcase in 2009 at WrestleMania 25. Um, then he won the world title on SmackDown, defeating Jeff Hardy on... I can't remember which pay-per-view it was. Do you remember offhand? Uh, look, at, was that... No, Night of Champions? No. Let's see. The Great American the Bash. Bash, yeah, yeah. The Bash 09. Yeah, after Hardy won the title from Edge, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Do you remember? Which, oh, go ahead. Oh, I, yeah, I was going to say how much I, I remember of that because CM Punk was the face in that match, honestly. Yeah. I mean, all the buildup was like, you know, you're Jeff Hardy, you're a drug user, you don't deserve to be champion. And yet they're trying to make him be a heel about this. And I'm throwing up my hands going, what, what is this? Punk yeah. is the good guy here. I want to cheer him because <laughs> he's right. Yeah, talking about that, what is your thoughts on 
on on their feud through SummerSlam. I thought that was exciting. I thought it gave Jeff Hardy something to really work with and actually, you know, keep him focused and motivated. Even though, you know, his side, I don't think, really lived up to what Punk was doing. Punk made the best of it all and came out shining in the end. Yeah, definitely. Because I do feel like through that Jeff Hardy feud, that helped put CM Punk up, I guess, to, towards the main event status mm-hmm. realm. And kind of saw, you know, give the fans, the WWE Universe, a chance to see Punk what he would, you know, a few years later would finally be. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a, a good example of, of what we were in for. Then uh, shortly, I think right away after his feud with Jeff Hardy, he went had a, f- a short feud with The Undertaker. Yep. <laughs> What's your thoughts about that? That that felt like a bit of an elevation, but still, you know, then he was like the, uh, you know, with Undertaker being the once-a-year appearance, it was... Uh, it could have been more it had it gone longer had it been more but it was it was interesting because it it felt like there was a bit of an elevation because they're giving him to the undertaker yeah you know that that's like the guy no matter no matter if he's the guy on tv he's the guy in the company yeah. it's the litmus test yeah cuz i felt like their matches weren't as good as punk's matches with edge you know just a couple months prior yeah. Because I know, especially his uh, Hell in a Cell match with The Undertaker, how that, I think, was, I think, 12 minutes or so, if that. Mm-hmm. Just because how, I think, well, if I remember correctly, rumors have, had it that Punk spoke out about uh, his dress code. And pretty much because of that, he was jobbed out to The Undertaker. Mm. Well... Yeah, I don't, I don't get the the whole dress code thing. I don't know what they're what they're trying to pull with people. You know, it's not letting people be themselves. Yeah, which yeah, like you said, you know, why why not have them live live their character more outside the ring too and off of television? Yeah, because you know, if they really are basing it on something that they are in real life, and you tell them, well, you're off TV now, you need to dress like this and be like this. That's that's pretty limiting. That's kind of like enforcing rules that are kind of unnecessary and will make people upset. Yeah, definitely. Uh, now I like to talk about uh, his. Well, I think his one of his best groups. Uh, well, I guess his only group that he he formed was the Straight Edge Society. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is? Do you what do what do you remember of the Straight Edge Society running rampant on SmackDown? I, I liked it. I thought Luke Gallows got a, a much more fair shake at being a personality in WWE because he had gone through the fake Diesel thing. He had been Festus. And here's a way to explain it away, to let him be something else, to be more of who he really is. Do you, and, feel, do you feel like that uh, CM Punk came off as like a preacher-esque kind of, kind of during, the, during that time? I know that's what they wanted, but it didn't feel that way. He it 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 was like the same thing he went through with Jeff Hardy. He was really just telling the straight honest truth, and you could look at it going, you know, I kind of understand what this guy's saying. You know, he's speaking for us because nobody's listening to what we say, and you know, as we're complaining about the way things are going, and he's kind of setting things straight, and he's making more sense where there wasn't sense before. So yeah, cause I feel like with the Straight Edge Society. I feel like the probably the biggest feud that he had during that time was with against uh, Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, 
Do you have any memories of or thoughts of that match? I, you know, the the build up just kind of felt weird because they were trying to make him make him like so creepy and weird because he intruded on Dominic's birthday and, you know, it, it didn't feel that way, not to me. I mean, no matter how they were trying to to package this, it just didn't feel like it worked. Yeah, and, you know, it, it it felt like Ray was a little more. Had he been not so broken down, that match would have been a little more stellar. Yeah, because I do feel like because I think this was. Oh, that was one of Punk's first singles matches at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of, you know, like I, you know, like I said earlier with against John Morrison for the ECW title. I feel like this was another step up for CM Punk. You know, and, and, you know, with John Morrison and Jeff Hardy, I feel like this is another step up for Punk to show the WWE universe and Vince McMahon on who who he is and who, what what he could do as a performer. It, it sure, certainly showed that he was willing to do what was asked of him, since it was a hair versus mask match, and he was willing to lose his hair. Yeah, yeah. Because I know, yeah, like, like you said, that's one thing I appreciate about Punk that he's willing to do what is best, like what's best for business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and show and show Vince and show the company and the universe what, you know, why he is the best in the world. Uh, yeah. I guess. Uh, do you? really remember much of uh, him in Nexus? Yeah, I know he was being being a little more of the leadership with whoever was left and was taking them on as, you know, his his cohorts, his henchmen. He was trying to give them a little more validity, but I don't think that worked as well. Yeah, because I think if uh, my years are correct... I think he was a uh, leader of Nexus, I think, for the 2011 Royal Rumble. Uh, or whatever Royal Rumble that was, when he was a leader of Nexus, I really enjoyed. Because mm-hmm. how, how it seemed like, you know, a couple of, couple of members of Nexus would would enter the Rumble after him, then they would eliminate whoever, then he would get, I don't know, 30 seconds, 60 seconds of mic time until the next competitor came out. Yeah, and I thought that was so innovative. Nobody had done that before. Because they cleared the ring where they were the only one there, and giving him a microphone is never a bad thing. Yeah, so I think, you know, cause I, that kind of remi- reminds me of, I think, back in 1994 when Diesel was clearing the Royal Rumble, you know, most <laughs> d- dominant guy, but obviously he didn't have the mic skills and they didn't give him a mic. So that kind of gives me a, you know, gave me a flashback of back then, but CM Punk being better technical wrestler than. Diesel and Alistair Butt on the mic. Yeah, I, I think you know if you handed a diesel, if you handed Diesel a mic at that point, you wouldn't have gotten anything good. He'd just been talking himself up and you know just going on about money. And it's better if you give it to CM Punk because he's like you said he's he knows what's best for business and he's going to put play that to the hilt. Yeah. Then uh, do you really recall how Nexus broke up? Because I really don't. Uh yeah, I don't. I'm falling flat on that myself. I don't remember. Were they even involved when he had done that uh, John Cena match? Where if Cena, if Punk wins, Cena was fired. I don't think so. I really don't I didn't think so. Either. Yeah, I didn't think so either. Yeah, I really. Yeah, as I say, that that time was kind of. I think that was like three years ago, four years ago. I kind of yeah, my memory about Bank Eleven, two thousand eleven. Yeah. Okay, then. Uh, I then. Yeah, because I guess we might as well talk about you know CM Punk's WWE title run, the four hundred thirty-four day day thin, a day day thin day title <laughs> run. 
I guess I'm trying to downplay it for more than what <laughs> should be. Uh, what you know, I guess he defeated uh, Alberto, Alberto Del Rio. Well, actually, no, mm-hmm. before that, it was uh, his match against Cena at Money in the Bank that that 2011. Right. What, what do you What do you remember of the build up? It it was trying to put the odds on Cena so that you know it would mean something, even though like he lost the match and he was quote unquote fired. He never left. So what was the point? I don't know. It was it was confusing because Cena just kept showing up being in the audience and all that. Yeah. It was, it was the non-firing firing. Yeah. So I know, uh, yeah, I, I've never really been a big fan of Cena, so I'm not really going to, I don't want to, ba- I don't want to turn this podcast into bash and Cena kind of thing. Yeah, me neither. So, because uh, I know that Money in the Bank 2011 Hall, you know, the storyline was that Punk, that was the last end of Punk's contract, and he was going to leave, he was going to leave no matter what, and if he won the title, there would be no WWE champion. And how I think he was only gone for eight days, I believe. Yeah, and he was posting the pictures of putting the title in the fridge, and he went to Comic-Con with it. And that was pretty awesome. Yeah, I know I, in ways I feel like they kind of dropped it a little too soon on bringing CM Punk back. Yeah. Uh, do, how, how long do you feel, felt like WWE should have had him off as WWE champion? It should have been at least like, like I don't know, oh, five months? Okay, so past summer, slamming maybe bring him back for maybe Survivor Series. Yeah, yeah, definitely would have done that because I mean that Survivor Series is still kind of a major event for them. Well, yeah, because I felt like you know, like you said, you know, have you know they already they were start crowning an interim champion anyway, so why not have that interim champion you know hold the title for a few months and bring CM Punk back and say, well, I'm still a champ, I never lost it, so why not prove to me why. You're the company champion. Yeah, exactly. Then uh, he he lost, I think, to or shortly thereafter to Cena. I think at that SummerSlam. Then uh, a few months later, how he won the title again against Alberto Del Rio at our Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you what what thoughts do you or do you have any uh, memories of that match with Del Rio? I thought the match was pretty good, but it, it kind of exposed a few flaws of Del Rio himself. Just saying, you know, showing maybe he was being built a little too fast. Do you feel like WWE does that a lot within the last ten years? Oh, oh yeah, because with, with them being, you know, a weekly program, two, two, almost five programs a week, depending on you know how often you're watching. These guys are so deeply overexposed. So I know that's one thing that I that turns me off of the current product is, you know, yeah, they have Raw and SmackDown on cable television, then, you know, like I said, additional three shows on the network. Nowadays, I feel like they do have too much programming, mm-hmm. and I feel like that hurts the company a lot. Yeah, because you wouldn't see Hulk Hogan doing this much exposure. Usually he'd either do, like, an interview on a weekend program and a Saturday night's main event but no matches. He's not, you know, he's not losing on TV. Oh, yeah, he's I, being built up to the moon for the pay-per-view that's supposed to be coming out. Yeah, because if Hogan does wrestle, it's the occasional Saturday Night's Mid event, and Saturday Night's Mid event was like once every four to six weeks. Yes. So, yeah, that's... So, Hogan's wrestling maybe once to twice a month at most. Mm-hmm. 
And I can't see... I can't see WWE going back to that model. Yeah, they're not going to do it now because they're too afraid of, of losing ratings by not having these guys on there that they think people are all tuning in for. So, I, you know, it's snake biting its tail, I guess. Yeah, so I guess, you know, talking about this, you know, a little over a year run uh, that Punk had as WWE champion, some of the, I think, great matches that he had as champion was against, like, Chris Jericho and Daniel Bryan. Um, what... What is your thoughts of the of the 434 day title run that CM Punk had? Um, you know, my memory's kind of failing me about it all, but you know, he had Heyman with him. He had Heyman being a mouthpiece, which felt a little weird because you know, if Heyman should, is better with a guy who needs a mouthpiece like Brock Lesnar, yeah, because CM Punk can can damn well do his own talking, but. Uh, I don't know. I, it was still interesting to see. It was. It felt like the right thing, even though it was kind of like a way to put the title somewhere that it still stayed important, even though it wasn't the focus. Yeah, I guess. Uh, you know, talking about his feuds as champion, what he how he had a few month feud with Chris Jericho. You know, face face him at WrestleMania, then the following month uh, at Extreme Rules in a Chicago street fight. Do you have what? I felt like, I felt like you know Chris Jericho bringing up his straight edge past and all that. I felt like that brought a different side of CM Punk out than what we saw before. It it did, but I don't think it needed to be done during a championship match because they did not make it about the belt. Fair enough. So you do you feel like it hurt the title then? Well, yeah, I, I think a lot of things that happened kind of hurt the title, but this specifically so. Okay. Then uh, do you, what is your thoughts on their two-match series at WrestleMania and Extreme Rules? Um, Jericho's the kind of guy who can get a good match out of anybody, and you've already got Punk who can have good matches to begin with. I wanted to see more. I think two was not enough. It would have been better if it had been a bit of a longer program and maybe not even the championship title involved. It would have done more to solidify outside character aspects on on Punk if they could have done more with it. Okay, then, uh, fair enough. Uh, I'm a big Jericho fan. I think more than I'm a big Punk fan. So to me, it was cool to see those two go at it to see who is truly the best in the world, so to say. Oh, yeah. Um, Then I guess after the, the Jericho feud... Punk went to have a, have a few month feud with Daniel Bryan. What? I guess you, you know. What is your What is your thoughts on the few matches that those two had for the title? I was really excited by that because it, it seemed like you know both of these guys are indie darlings. They were they were people who were who you never expected to see rise so high in the WWF. And I know I held on to their first match for a long time on my DVR just because. Even though it, you know, it had kind of a, a fuzzy ending because you know it wasn't a clean pin for either of them, it was still a great match. It was so just a, a clinic. Yeah. Do you feel like the match with Punk helped Daniel Bryan in the eyes of the WWE universe? Oh yeah, it gave him the showcase he needed to show off what he had to offer as a wrestler, so that people would know 
when someone's facing Daniel Bryan, you're going to get a good, solid technical match. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, how, how many pay-per-view matches did those two have? Because uh, it was the over the limit match. Yeah. I can't remember if there's any any other matches that they had. Mm, I don't remember now. I don't... No, I, I don't remember. Okay, yeah, see, I see. Well, did they face at, I think, Money in the Bank that summer, too? Um, I don't... I think on Wikipedia it says that he... I think, though, yeah, Wikipedia said those two fought each other in a no-disqualification match. Okay, yeah. So Yeah, I, that, was, that was 2012. Yeah, so I guess yeah, it wasn't that great if neither one of us remembered it. <laughs> well, then there was the... Yeah, because like, before then it was like some team-ups... Yeah. CM Punk and Sheamus, Daniel Bryan and Kane. Yeah. And Jericho got involved, and Cena was on Punk's side. And like, yeah. yeah, talk about yeah, Money in the Bank and Cena. That Cena won Money in the Bank that year to for the WWE title. Yeah. Then uh, Cena declared early on when he was on cash in the tit- cash in the briefcase would be at Raw 1000 against CM Punk. Mm-hmm. And how, yeah, how Cena was the first guy to lose. Uh, lose when you cash in the briefcase because you know because of the rock right <laughs> uh, well i guess what what do you remember of cena versus uh punk at raw 1000 it uh wasn't really a match i was excited for because i would have rather seen punk face anybody else but you know again we're not going to see the bash so yeah cuz i know i felt like that cuz i really feel like they threw Cena under the bus for Raw 1000 to to show us in the future Punk versus The Rock. So yeah. I, cause I feel like they teased out six months early, like, hey, you know, this is what's going to happen here in the future. You know, The Rock versus CM Punk for the WWE title. Because mm-hmm. I know at Raw 1000, The Rock did announce that whoever the WWE champion was at the Royal Rumble the coming year, the Rock was going to face him. So I felt like, you know, like I said, with what CM Punk did to the Rock at Raw 1000, that solidified that Punk's going to hold on the title for the next six months. Right. And I feel, you know, how Punk had, you know, feud with, you know, kept on feuding with Cena for, you know, at least through that SummerSlam that year with Big Show in a triple threat match. I think a couple months later, it was Punk versus Ryback versus Cena. Then how Punk, you know, kind of had a feud with Ryback right on. Then when he had an uh, injury, mm-hmm. then yeah. Do you do you have any thoughts or memories from the summer to winter months of CM Punk's title run? It it's convoluted because like how you're explaining it, you know, he was he was thrown into a lot of other things that didn't focus on him. They were pushing Ryback into it, and, you know, some people were into that guy. I'm not big on him, but it it seemed like he was, like, Punk was really being kind of utilized to just sort of highlight other things rather than let's highlight Punk. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, I felt the same way when, when Punk went into his feud with The Rock for for the Rumble and for Elimination Chamber. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like those two matches for The Rock were great. Well, I guess great for, I guess being part time and all that. 
Yeah. I I feel like hey, uh, see, uh, Rock coming back for for a title run and facing Punk for two matches to win the title and has his first title defense against Punk. I thought like that was the best choice. So I don't think there was really that many people in the company during that time who could bring bring out a decent match to a good match out of The Rock besides mm-hmm. CM Punk. What's your thoughts on the two matches that Punk had with The Rock? Yeah, I was I was definitely interested in them, but I I went into them with trepidation because it felt like Rock was back to promote a movie. He was going to show up and do some things, and it was going to just be a quick run. But when they gave him the championship, I I looked at it again, saying, "Oh wow, maybe he's planning on sticking around for a little while." Do you and, do you feel like that uh, the matches that Punk had with Rock were better than the Cena matches? That he had with Rock? Yes, definitely. Because I, I think both of those guys are much more invigorated opponents. You know, they're much more interested in having a high caliber match. And I, I thought The Rock brought it a lot more than, than what Cena did. Yeah, because I feel like after Punk lost the title to The Rock at the 2013 Royal Rumble, you know, then he they finished up, wrap up their feud at the Elimination Chamber that year. Then Punk went on to face The Undertaker at WrestleMania, you know, WrestleMania last year, and mm-hmm. we, you know, we talked a little bit about that earlier. Earlier, but do you feel feel like that was the best step for CM Punk after losing the title to The Rock? Oh yeah, being put against The Undertaker about trying to take the streak—that was that was definitely a nice elevation, even though it didn't pan out like it should have. So, do you think that you know CM Punk holding the title for 434 days? Do you do you feel like, feel like that brought more of a of a, the idea of a legit threat behind CM Punk to ending the streak? Yes, yes, I definitely do because look, you know, it says to look at what he weathered to keep his belt and be this cha- be a champion for this long when it's so notedly hot potatoed as quick as it can be. Yeah, definitely. Uh, then you know, kind of, t- you know, when we're still on the topic of CM Punk's long title run, do you feel like CM Punk holding the title for that long helped the WWE title, even though Punk wasn't in the main event picture most of the time? Yeah, I think even still, you know, he was he was uh, a name people were talking about, people cared about, and him holding the title for that long, it gave it some legitimacy because. Not many people were holding it for any length of time in that significance. Yeah, yeah, because I know I, f- I do feel like that. Uh, I think sh- right around the Attitude Era, that's when the WWE title I felt like was crapped on because mm-hmm. the title was, you know, ha- you know, handed around perch week week to week, if not month to month. You know, title runs didn't last much longer than a few months, if that. And I feel like, you know, shortly after the Attitude Era, when the, with the brand extension, the title, I think the longest title run that happened for the either title, I think, was when Cena held it for 13 months as well. Then mm-hmm. he, he, I think he dropped it in 08 because of a injury. But I feel like, you know, with, you know, this title run, too, with Punk holding it for that long, I feel like that helped brought the title back up to what it was at the start of the Attitude Era. Yeah, yeah, I definitely feel that too. Then, uh, what? I, I feel like you know, out between WrestleMania last year and SummerSlam, I feel like 
punk was just throwing random feuds and all that just to see what see what's what stuck. Mm-hmm. Up to his feud with Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam last year, uh, I, f- I feel like the, his SummerSlam match with Brock was, I think, one of Brock's best since Brock came back a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on that? You know, last summer with CM Punk and his feud with Brock Lesnar. Uh, I think it uh, it it was interesting because I, you know, Brock I don't think was even expected at all to make that return. And that, that was kind of a, a nice shock and awe moment. Um, I think Cena did his, or Cena, excuse me, Punk did his best and got a good match out of Lesnar. It, it just, there's a lot of points where I was watching it and thought this was just, it, it's, it felt off kilter just because, you know, Brock is as big as he is and, and the kind of powerhouse that he is. I thought there was going to be a lot more trickery involved in, in you know, Punk trying to basically steal away wins because it didn't seem like he was going to be able to match him, you know, physically. Yeah, it's going to have to be some sort of swerve to to keep things on Punk's side. And Punk was, the, I thought, Punk was going to be the one to, you know, keep things more on his side rather than than uh, Lesnar. Do you feel like Heyman turning on Punk like a month or so prior to SummerSlam helped the feud at all? Yeah, it, it gave a motivating force to Punk himself, which, you know, it put him in the babyface side because he's got all this betrayal to suffer through as well as the overwhelming odds of of Brock Lesnar. Then what do you think about the CM Punk's feud with Heyman post-SummerSlam, you know, with Heyman throwing Curtis Axel and Ryback at CM Punk? I, I didn't think much of that because I think both of those guys, you know, it's it's more pushing people too fast. The the, the confrontations with Heyman himself were more important, but it's not something that, that should have been done in any sort of in-ring capacity. Though, you know, it's it, it was handled okay because Heyman was throwing, you know, new people at CM Punk and saying, you can't win against these guys, and he does. So it was more interesting in that aspect, but the, the real conflict was between Heyman himself and, and CM Punk over the betrayal. Yeah, because I feel like after Punk and Punk after the yeah, yeah after Punk was finished with Paul Heyman and the Paul Heyman guys, I felt like you know they really couldn't find a good spot for CM Punk. Mm-hmm. I felt like he was kind of lost in the shuffle with. For, you know, I came up with Daniel Bryan to face the Wyatts and having his feud with Kane up to the Royal Rumble and CM Punk facing an authority. Um, I guess, what you know, I guess, do you... Well, how, how do you feel about about CM Punk and what, what, what he had to do between his feud with um, Paul Heyman and up to the Royal Rumble this year? Um, well, I, I thought it kind of helped give the Shield and the Wyatts a little bit of a rub. I think it made them a little more important. People were willing to look at them because they cared about Punk. But, you know, when you start getting into like the, you know, the authority aspect of it, I don't think Punk was quite the character they needed for that role. I think Dana Bryan fit better, which is why I'm glad they went the way they did. But he was, Punk was still doing what was necessary to, to help out the business as it needed. Oh. They may not have been the greatest things, but, you know, he's he's doing what needed to be done. 
Then what do you what what do you feel about CM Punk's performance at the Royal Rumble this this year? Um, I don't remember much of it to be honest. Uh, fair enough. I guess I only thing I, I guess the only thing I, I really remember was him coming in at number two or not number one, then go then going lasting all the way to I think the final four when Kane eliminated him. Right. And then I think Kane chokeslammed him through the announcer's table. Then the la- that's the last we saw CM Punk. Then uh, I'm not, I'm not sure if that was like any kind of on-screen send-off or if it was just, you know, just part of the miasma that becomes the Royal Rumble with, you know, the way guys come and go with that match. I think it's more or less, you know, like the comings and goings of that match because if I remember correctly that Punk was supposed to face, I think, Kane at Extreme Rules, not Extreme Rules, Elimination Chamber to set up a match between Punk and Triple H for this past WrestleMania. Huh. So I guess that's what I heard. Then uh, I guess I wanted to talk to you about, you know, how Punk sounded like quit. Rice walked out a few hours before Raw the night after the Rumble, and you know didn't really say anything on Twitter till I think until within the past two or so months. What is your thoughts between you know not hearing or seeing CM Punk for all those months? Yeah, him walking out like he did feels like the same way it was with Stone Cold at the end of his his time. And I'm wondering if Punk is going to have those similar feelings where, you know, it wasn't the right thing to do, it wasn't the right way to do it. But it's still a statement that needed to be made. I mean, I, I hold that that much at least. It's probably just a statement that needed to be made because he was being pushed towards Triple H. Here comes Batista. Another guy who's, you know, he's getting pushed because of who he was and who he knows. It's not any, like, significant storyline thing. You know, it was, it, it felt frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, I, I felt like, you know, CM Punk not coming back past WrestleMania, I feel like, you know, WWE really didn't need them, need him too much. Right. You know, with Daniel Bryan... You know, wrestling twice at WrestleMania, winning the, the the WWE World Heavyweight Title and and all that, I felt like WWE didn't need CM Punk up to Daniel Bryan's current injury, and you know, with CM Punk not you know not really talking, not surfacing anywhere, I felt like the ways that was kind of best to kind of help fans kind of l- let go of CM Punk, mm-hmm. if that if that makes any sense. Yeah, it, it, I know they couldn't foresee anything that Daniel Bryan was going to go through, but yeah. you know, if if they had if they had had either just given Punk an injury angle just because he wanted to be out for a little while, or just let him sit in the background or something, at least he would have been around so that you know when they did need him, they could they could do something with him. Yeah. Now now it's like you know they they made him. I don't know. It felt like they made him just do what he did, so now he's just not even involved at all, and they can't do anything to bring him back to try to help where it's definitely needed. Yeah. So I guess that, um, yeah, I guess that, you know, you know, with, you know, main event status radio, uh, Troll and I like to talk about jobbers and main eventers. Um, I kind of, I feel like with whole CM Punk career and 
departure from WWE, I feel like the jobber has to be the fans of CM Punk. Well, because of his departure and not really talking to, you know, not saying much on Twitter, and when he did go back on Twitter, he hasn't said anything about it. But why he left, anything like that. I just wanted want want your thoughts as a CM Punk fan. You know, how do you what how do you feel about CM Punk leaving the night after the Rumble and not say nothing on Twitter or any other means on why he left? Um, I I didn't understand it, and I wasn't going to make a big deal about it because it it really feels like this business is going to move on anyway, which they they do, they have. So whether he wanted to talk, whether he didn't, things proceed apace. Yeah. If he was going to say something, he'll find a way to say it, and he's going to say it to the people who he knows wants to hear it the most. Definitely. And I feel like the, you know, then also besides the jobber, you know, Troy and I usually always pick a main event star. And I, you know, I guess this may sound kind of weird, but I feel like the main event star for this whole thing has to be AJ Lee, since... AJ and Punk, Punk recently got married within the last month or so. I feel like with Punk away from wrestling and getting mentally healthier, you know, from being away from the road, I feel like th- their marriage can only be better. Yeah, and and she had even like her CM Punk moment where she got to come out and just basically lay it on the line as this is what's wrong with the Divas division, why it shouldn't be a Divas division. It should be a female wrestler division. Yeah, definitely. Then, uh, I guess, you know, with the whole CM Punk career in the WWE, if you had to pick a jobber and a main event star, who would you pick for both of them? Huh. Um, I think the main event star, I would probably say Daniel Bryan, because he, you know, he got to go, he got to be the one to be pulled up next. He got to be the one that they focused on and centered things around. Um... For jobber, um, I kind of—I guess I kind of agree with you that it's kind of the fans. But you know, there there is a point where I think even today, like the fans are a character. Yeah. You know, they're they're very trained about what they're they're expecting to see and what they're expecting to have happen, and they play a part as much as the wrestlers do. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see your point. Yeah. I just think we don't know our part, or we don't know as much of our part as the wrestlers do. <laughs> yeah, so I do, I do agree with you on Daniel Bryan being, I guess, the the main event star since yeah he Daniel Bryan did get pushed to winning the world title at WrestleMania when you know he wasn't scheduled to because how rumors have it that Batista came back to win the title at WrestleMania 30, not Daniel Bryan. Hmm. Okay. So I know, uh, you know we also do a top five. List for each podcast, and I, I, I don't want to do a top five CM Punk matches, and just want to get your thoughts on, on each match that I picked. Okay. Number five I wrote down was CM Punk versus Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania 26. I know we talked a little bit about this before, you know, during that feud with, you know, with Straight with the Straight Society, but I guess, you know, do you have any other th- thoughts or memories from his match with Mysterio? Yeah, well, I think most of it's probably stuff I said before where, you know, they tried to play him off as being much creepier than they wanted him to be, and it didn't work as well. And had Mysterio been healthier, I think the matches would have, would have would 
be more talked about. Yeah, because I, I do, you know, yeah, I agree with you on there, and I do feel like, like I mentioned before, I feel like his match with Mysterio at WrestleMania 26 was another step into main event status for CM Punk to show McMahon, the guys in the back in the WWE universe, on on what he can do and what he, well, who, who he can be next. Yeah. Then uh, my match number four has to be the match against John Cena from Raw, uh, from Raw back in February two thousand or yeah two thousand thirteen, uh, for for Cena's number one contenders match against The Rock at for WrestleMania that year. Because I feel like Punk brought out the best of Cena in that match. How mm-hmm. you know Cena? How Cena brought out the Hernan Karana at the end. How Punk used the. Uh, Pat and pile driver, which was which is banned, so you know pulling out you know the pile driver, which barely nobody sees anymore, on the, mm-hmm. with the current product, you know I felt felt like that was a you know, up you know almost a five star match on Raw that we don't see anymore these days. Yeah, I I think it, even though it had pretty much a foregone conclusion, I thought that the build up and the tension built with it was very well done. Okay, then uh, my match number three for top CM Punk matches has to be the match with Chris Jericho at Extreme Rules for the WWE title in the Chicago Street Fight. I know we talked about this before, you know, about this before with his feud with Jericho, but I feel feel like the whole feud with Chris Jericho brought CM Punk up and also I think brought the WWE title up more than what it meant years prior. Yeah, I think that's definitely true, even though, like I had said, this this didn't feel like it needed to be a championship situation. This would have been better if it had just been the two of them in an aggressive feud against each other. And uh, my match number two has to be his match again with Chris Jericho a month prior at WrestleMania 28. And you know, I guess, you know, kind of tied in with the match, you know, with, with Jericho at Extreme Rules, I just felt like it kind of helped brought up you know, the title and help brought up Jericho or I'm in Punk and I also feel like, you know, WrestleMania twenty eight was I think think like a four mid event WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. So I felt like, you know, adding Jericho with CM Punk, you know, for technical aspect, you know, was probably the technical main event for WrestleMania that year. Yeah, definitely. I, it it shows the the position that Jericho has taken that he's really doing well with where he comes in and helps elevate a guy and you know give legitimacy to like what they want to be the next important thing yeah then my match number one has to be the match against John Cena from Money in the Bank 2011 you know we talked about that before and all that I you know with CM Punk you know the storyline of CM Punk leaving and the pay-per-view being held in Chicago Punk's hometown I just felt like everything came to a head at the perfect time. Yeah, and uh, it was... It made me wonder, because they have this running trend of guys in their hometown don't win. Yeah. So to see him win that match in such a big event was pretty cool. Yeah, because I know one thing I do like about the Cena matches that Punk has had, is that it always seemed like uh, Punk brings out the best out of Cena, especially in Chicago. But, yeah, I, I think see, with uh, Punk really wanting to play for the good energy for that particular crowd, it works well 
for the match overall. Then, uh, do you have what is your what are some of your favorite CM Punk matches? Um, well, the the, the Daniel Bryan exhibitions on Raw; those were good. Those were some of my favorites. Um. I still really like the, uh, the Del Rio match. You know, oh, from I, Survivor not, Series? Yes. Yes, the Survivor Series with Del Rio. I thought that was good. Um, <laughs> yeah, do you, I <laughs> guess... God, right? Yeah, I, I guess... Uh, I love his WrestleMania matches. I know we really didn't, we, we really didn't touch on his match with Orton... So much, but I guess, do you have any thoughts or memories on, I guess, where would you rank his WrestleMania matches? Um, well, I wouldn't rank them too high if it's Randy Orton, just because I, I <laughs> care for him. But, you know, I, I Cena does not, or, oh God, why do I keep doing that? Hulk does <laughs> not put out, you know, um, he doesn't phone it in. Yeah. So even against somebody like Randy Orton, he's still going for the, the gusto. And it's worthwhile at least seeing him in that aspect. Yeah, because I guess if I had to rank Punk's WrestleMania matches, I feel like one with Jericho, one with Taker probably had to be up there. Then everything else, I guess, is a close second. Yeah, it's a, it feels like a good progressive build. Yeah. So I guess, uh, do you have any other CM Punk thoughts or memories? Um, I do remember seeing him on that brief run through TNA, and it... It didn't feel like that was a good fit for him. They, they definitely didn't use him in any good way. Uh, other than that, you know, I've seen glimpses of some of the indie stuff, but I think that's probably a much less polished CM Punk than we have now. Yeah, I know, you know people like to uh, do, I guess, like, kind of do like um, a what-if situ- scenario, what-if situation. Uh, do you feel like there's a chance CM Punk could go back to ROH or could go back to TNA? Oh, no, I don't think so. I think being where he's been, going back to those other places, definitely not as a worker. If he okay. were to go back as a personality, it would he could probably do that more with, I think, Ring of Honor than TNA. Because unless they're backing up the, the money dump truck with, from TNA, it's not going to help him at all. That's going to yeah. hurt. Yeah, because I can't see Punk going back to TNA like what you said and little bit I've I've heard from the Wrestling Observer that in that uh, that Spike TV isn't backing them as much anymore, which is yeah. which is why guys like Sting and AJ Styles and Hulk Hogan aren't with the company anymore. And that it, makes sense. Yeah, and if Spike TV isn't going to pay for Punk's contract, I can't see Punk coming in. No, yeah, and it's it's just really kind of. Hitching your wagon to a damaged plow, essentially. Yeah, and if CM Punk goes goes back to ROH, I feel like it'd be kind of like with how what AJ Styles is doing now nowadays, kind of like doing a paper paper appearance kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah, wrestling, you know, a few matches, then go from there. Yeah, in in that lesser or that that much more reduced capacity, I could, I could see that working better than just trying to be a straight on full time wrestler for the company. Yeah. So I guess uh, do you have any plugs or anything you like to plug out? Um, you can read my webcomic at headlocksandheadaches.com. Issue one is out 
out there, and it is also for sale digitally on Comixology. It's only 99 cents. Issue 2 is in the works. Uh, I'm also working on some other anthology pieces and other things that uh, I usually either announce on Facebook. I have a uh, Facebook page for my art at uh, facebook.com slash deanstallart. And you can follow me on Twitter at Dean underscore Stahl. Yeah, as I say, uh, guys, if you're looking for an artist, talk to Dean. I, I've had several several pieces of artwork done by Dean, and I absolutely love it. But I know I do want to talk to you a little bit about your comic, your comic sure. book. Uh, tell the tell the listeners of Main Event Status Radio on what what you really do for your comic book. Well, it is a, a story set in in the style of 80s era pro wrestling. It also has to do with uh, a couple of viewers of this this uh, federation, this wrestling federation set within the story. And, you know, how they kind of bond over the, their love of wrestling, which I did with my brother when he and I were watching WWF in those mid-80s. And I write and I draw and I letter it and I have a friend who colors it for me and then I put it into a full comic and put it out in a very limited print run just because I don't have all the money in the world but it is available digitally if you want to read it that way sounds good uh, and uh, fans you can follow me on twitter at uh, dirty dog m-e-s that's dog as in d-a-w-g and you can also follow beverly hills at beverly hills m-e-s and you can also like us on facebook at facebook.com slash main event status radio and uh, yeah, I'll talk to you guys after a while.